Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, how are you doing today? Good. You should be good. The, uh, we're hoping the Seahawks do a little bit better this, uh, this week. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, if you're new around here, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And I am in a good mood, not only uh, because we're starting a new series, I also had uh, the week off. And part of the reason, and didn't, didn't Pastor uh, uh, Dave Nelson, the other pastor, they do a good job. Didn't they do a good job? Yeah. And I took the week off because uh, the world was supposed to end last week. Did you know that? And I figured if the world's going to end, I mean, uh, I needed to go to the fair again, and I needed to get some scones. In fact, uh, I made a new friend at the fair. Uh, I didn't catch her name. You can see me uh, with the scone lady. Uh, this is, surprisingly, she said it was the first time someone had taken a selfie with her, but she was uh, really into it, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun to eat my, probably my whole weight in scones at the, uh, at the Puyallup Fair. Well, hey, if you didn't hear about this uh, sort of crazy thing about the world coming to an end, uh, we get this every once in a while. In fact, I went online, uh, read a couple articles. Can't vouch for the articles, but we do know that there's uh, this guy named David Mead uh, who said uh, that, uh, no, that's the Bible, that's David Mead, <laughs> uh, that, that the world was going to come to an end. Uh, he is uh, supposedly a Christian numerologist, which by the way, just for those of you who are, there's no such thing as a Christian numerologist. Uh, there really isn't. That's like a totally, I'd say almost anti-biblical uh, when it comes to that. Uh, but the world was supposed to end uh, in the article it says on September 23rd after being struck by a rogue planet planet called Nibiru, or Planet X. Saturday came and went without a cosmic collision, and now Mead says the new doomsday date is October 15th. Uh, so just wanted to let you know what might be happening uh, on October 15th. Uh, now, uh, quoted in this article, again, you know, hopefully everything Hopefully it's true. Everything you read on the internet is not always true. Uh, but they quote uh, from NASA, uh, supposedly from NASA, this quote, uh, where it says, various people are predicting the world will end on September 13th with another planet uh, colliding with Earth. Earth. The planet in question is Nibiru, uh, but there will be no collision because this planet does not exist. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, isn't that great? But literally, there's, you know, tens of thousands of people uh, waiting for that to happen. We all think of some of the common wisdom. Uh, in fact, some of it came from our parents. Uh, when it came, uh, when you go outside, you got to bundle up and you don't want to get wet or you're going to what? Catch a what? A cold. Uh, and all of us know uh, that absolutely that won't happen. That unless you're with, next to someone who has the virus, uh, that is a cold. And that was just one of the many lies your mommy told you. Uh, 
Uh, and hey, that's okay. That, what do you think therapy's for? Uh, here, uh, another one, uh, you shouldn't go back in the pool until 30 minutes uh, after eating. You remember that one? Otherwise, you're gonna, what's gonna happen? You're gonna get what? Cramps, and then you're gonna what? Drown. Can you believe your parents told you that? Yeah, hey, you know, you can go back in the pool, but you're probably going to drown. So uh, that was, of course, that is not true. Um, Another uh, one is reading in the dark will damage your eyes. Uh, And uh, it actually, it will give you a headache, but it will not damage your eyes. There's also, I could go uh, through so many of what's called common wisdom. Uh, that we bought into, actually many of us still believe, many of you still aren't going back in that pool until 30 minutes. Uh, And so go ahead and rob yourself of joy. Uh, But hey, don't worry, there's going to be no going in the pool for eight months in Washington State. Talk about robbing joy. I did it right there. So, uh, but we, we believe these things and they feel like they're true even though they're not true. And so you think about that, when it comes to getting in a pool, not that big of a deal. When it comes to, you know, getting too close to the TV or it's going to ruin your eyes, by the way, that one's a lie too. Uh, not not a, a big deal. You probably don't want to sit close to the TV anyway, block everyone else's view. Uh, but what if we bought into some so-called common knowledge or wisdom that wasn't true And then we started to base our life on it. Now, that could be devastating. And here's what what I have firmly believed and what the Scripture would affirm is that there are many good people, really smart people, but they've maybe subtly or maybe not so subtly bought into some so-called truths that aren't true And they base much of their life, their faith, on that. And so in this series, here's what I want to do. I called it Rethinking Religion. And you might say, okay, is Ben going to go off the deep end like so many other pastors in the Seattle area have? Uh, Well, here's the deal. What I want to do is go deeply into uh, understanding the Scripture and and really engaging our brains in a more significant way uh, as we engage God and find out what is God's purpose uh, for faith? Why, Why this whole faith thing in the first place? And what does it matter? You know, you think about uh, what's going on in our country, the, uh, the divisions and uh, over uh, football is another one uh, and all of that. And, and we have all sorts of answers for it. By the way, none of them have ever worked, not only in this society and no other society either. Uh, and, and what's God's plan for us? Uh, here's what we read in Galatians 3, 26 through 28. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For you were baptized into Christ. Those of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And so there's this idea is that we have faith in Jesus. And so you say, hey, I may not be there yet. That's okay. You are welcome to come here, uh, check it out, eat the free donuts as long as you want. Uh, we, 
But, but we see the, the byproduct that actually changed human history. And, and we can go back and we can study history. You don't even need to study the Bible. But that society changed permanently when it came to not only faith, how people started to treat each other. It says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, that's the kind of faith that I want. I want a faith that not only changes me, but helps me uh, just as I live in this world make a difference as well. Well, you know, if you ask different people, you're going to get different answers to the question, uh, why religion? Why, and I'm using the term religion purposely, not, uh, and I'm going to differentiate Christian faith. There's really six options for why religion. Uh, if you would uh, talk to the founder of communism, uh, Karl Marx, uh, he would say, and this is a paraphrase of actually what he said, is that it's the opiate for the masses. That religion is just something that people make up uh, or others make up to control people. And his answer, by the way, now this is great if, you, if you're a student of history. His answer was, religion is bad, and if you want people to have equality, freedom, prosperity, and happiness, put them in a communist society. And you know what? All the people who tried it are running from that. You think about that. Even China, so supposedly the uh, uh, largest communist nation in the world, is like loves capitalism now. It's the, the idea is that didn't work, and it never will. Now, some people believe it is a, a philosophy uh, of life, that religion is just a philosophy of life. And honestly, if you study some of the, the Eastern religions, Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, they, they would more resemble that than a monotheistic religion that would be represented in Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. More, uh, it's sort of a, like a life code. You've heard people, I have a code I live by. Well, you know, so did Dexter, if you watched that show. I'm not recommending it. Uh, <laughs> but his life code was pretty scary. I know some of you are going to watch it now, and I feel bad. Don't, just don't. Uh, so, uh, not that I'd ever watch about it. I heard it from some sinful people like you. So, anyway, uh, there's, uh, there's other people who would think it's uh, unlocking principles of the universe. And, uh, uh, you know, the people buy into, like, Scientology. That's it. Hey, there's these principles of the universe, and uh, they're going to make everyone uh, happy and whole. Um, and some people view religion that way, or a way to feel better. And I get this too, because there's uh, emotional pain that comes in life. Someone will pass away, and they'll say, well, they're in a better place. And, and, and we want that to be true, even though we may not have a basis to really know if that is true. Uh, religion, uh, for some, and this is, can be rules to follow. Now, if you look at religion in general, as it is today, uh, that, that's primarily what it would be. It could be the, the eightfold path of Buddhism. These are the rules, the five pillars of Islam. Those are the rules. Some 
People who call themselves Christians, they have a set of rules around that. In fact, the rabbis uh, in ancient Judaism and, and some still today, they would take the commands of God and they would add other rules on top of them. And a lot of us, we think of that. We think that uh, God, it's sort of like uh, the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. And you all watch it. How many of you watch The Wizard of Oz, right? How many of you are still a little bit freaked out by those monkeys? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, the whole flying monkey thing I still haven't gotten over in my life. Uh, but we get this idea is that God is like the wizard. And when Dorothy, uh, for those of you who are, let, let me give you a refresher on this one. Uh, they come and they look for help and he's already mad. He's already disdainful, bef disdainful before they ever ask for anything. And he's just really mad and then he has some things that they need to do and then he might listen to them. And I think that is much of the common religion of the day. And it was in the day of uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of the Bible, and we're, we're gonna look at really one book of the Bible for the next number of weeks. Today's really gonna be a little bit more of an introduction, and that's the book of Galatians. Uh, and we're gonna talk about that. Here's another option, though, is that religion is a relationship that changes everything. And this is the real core of Christianity. It's one of those things that can make people a little bit frustrated at times because we're looking, what are the three things I need to do instead of a relationship is something you enter into, you make a decision to enter that relationship. And then it, you, you grow in that. And it's not just three things you do, it's something that you're, you're continuing to develop that relationship. If you look at every other religion in the world, uh, it can be based on what you do, and Christianity is based on an event in human history. Uh, no matter how much you wanna look at the calendars and people will do BCE now instead of uh, AD, of course, because that that's really goes back to Jesus Christ and what he did. The, the idea is that changed the world and our calendar and everything. Uh, that it's what he did, that he, he came and got in the flesh. And not only did he teach principles of life, he gave his life. That for the darkest part of my heart, the worst sin I've ever committed, that instead of trying to balance the scale, somehow doing more good, and that'll somehow outweigh the bad, still haven't seen that work yet. Because the people you hurt, I don't know how that ever helps them. That God said, no, there has to be something really done. Not something to make you feel better, but something where that gap can be bridged, where the, the slate can be clean, where brokenness can be wholeness. And that's what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul, as he went uh, to the region of Galatia, 
and, and by the way, as we look at this, Galatia is, is not a city. It is a region that encompassed uh, four uh, different cities in what's now uh, eastern uh, Turkey. And he, he really shares this message, Acts 13, 38. He says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free. If you're taking notes, will you underline set free? From every sin. And go ahead and underline that one. From every sin. Because my guess is some of you, you know Jesus, you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus, but you don't believe what it says that you are set free, that you don't have to be in bondage. It doesn't have to control your life. That God doesn't look at that one thing and he's determined that he doesn't love you or if you go back to that again, that he won't forgive you. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So, so what happens is people hear that message and they're excited uh, because, it, you know, it changed everything when it came to their relationship with God. And Christianity spreads around the world, uh, not through force. If you look at how world religion has spread, that Christianity spread initially all throughout the world without force, the only time that's really happened in human history. And people's hearts are changed because they can, they can know God and they can be free. And for you, if you say, hey, I'm here and I'm just checking out church and I thought rethinking religion uh, is, a, is a nice concept to look at, it's about you maybe understanding who God is and that we really can be free, not just in our minds, not just in our hearts, but in reality because of what God has done. So here's a, here's a problem, though is these people are experiencing this great freedom, and they're like, okay, this is great. We want to follow God. They're actually more passionate for God. And then other people come in and say, hey, yeah, but remember the rules. There's still some rules that you need to follow. And, and, and the big rule that they, uh, some of the people, and these people actually were, were Christians, but they were sort of gravitational pulled towards the rules. And uh, the rule was you need to be circumcised. Well, in Judaism, this was not a big deal because this happened when you were eight days old. And so, you know, it was, I mean, I'm sure it's a big deal to the eight-day-old, but, you know, uh, but really now there's a lot of people coming into the church and, you know, you walk in the church, you're a 40-year-old guy and, hey, where's a membership class? Well, first there's going to be a little surgery and you're like, okay, you know, isn't there another something else we can do here? <laughs> uh, but it was uh, the idea that you had to do something for God to accept you, as if somehow what God had done was not enough. See, here's the key problem back then, and here's the key problem for you and me, is the gravitational pull towards religion. That you and I, if we do nothing, we'll, there'll be this gravitational pull into religious rituals, following God. And I know that some of you are going like, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Ben. Is this, you know, is this going to just be, you know, free and easy? Is Timberlake going to become the Jersey Shore of churches or something like that? No, uh, it's, we often get things out of order. 
And it begins with what God has done for us. And then it sort of changes our want to, what we want to do. So the Apostle Paul, he confronts this. And it, honestly, this book is, is very funny. We're going to look at uh, some of the later verses uh, where he uh, is quite graphic in how he describes his displeasure with some of the people who are uh, talking about you have to be circumcised to, to, to be a follower of Christ. He says this. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one that called you to live in the grace of Christ. Because see, grace, if you'll circle grace, that's a principle that we're talking about. God's unmerited favor. Mercy is not getting the bad we deserve. Grace is getting the good we don't deserve. And are turning to a different gospel. He says this is a different religion, which is no, really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. And why would he say that? Why would he say that? He'd say that because people would base their life on something that wasn't true and they'd find disappointment, they'd live in shame, and they'd probably give up on God. See, this is a big deal. Some of us, you, you were raised in a church like that. I remember talking to someone uh, over in our Issaquah campus and basically was raised in church and just had a lot of, you know, trying to figure this thing out. Asked too many questions. And the Sunday school teacher said, hey, you really shouldn't come to Sunday school anymore because you're ruining it for the other kids. And she did him a favor and stayed away for 20 years until encountered that grace of Jesus. As we've already said, and, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Oh, so does that include the radio preacher, the TV preacher? Yes. They're not greater than the Apostle Paul. So I say that because some of you listen to people, and I'm not against, uh, you know, listening uh, to different teachers and that. But if they preach something different, I don't think their ideas are greater than the Scripture. I actually had a conversation with someone who was like, hey, you know what? I think you need uh, to talk to people more about hell. And I'm like, well, you know, we talk about whole th everything. We've talked about heaven and hell, you know, but you need to talk to them about it a lot. And I said, heck no. No, I, <laughs> I, I said, you know, that's part of it. But the grace part is how, how we don't even need to go there. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I, I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, see, that's the passage that, that we're looking at today. That we're looking at this, this gospel of grace. So we rethink religion from uh, works that somehow I do something to God has done something. I uh, came across a few definitions of grace. One definition is God's love in action. Another one is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Uh, one of my favorites is grace 
is the face God wears when he looks at my failures. And so there's this response to to God's grace. Well, why do we have this gravitational pull towards religion? I think there's a few reasons this isn't in your note. If you want to take notes, you can. Is uh, I think it offers us a method of measurement. That we always want to know how are we, how are we measuring. Um, it makes us sometimes feel superior to others. Uh, because I don't know about you, I, I'm always like, okay, there's, you know, there's sinners, and then there's sinners. You know what I mean? And then there's other people. And it offers a false sense of security. Because we think if we're uh, playing by those rules that we've made up, that we don't need that relationship with God. And it gets a little bit messy because there's something about God's grace that demands a response. Not that God is saying these are the 50 rules you need to keep. But we know that if God has done that for us, if God has given us forgiveness and hope, that, that I need to respond. And so what I want to suggest is a non-religious but a relationship-based response to the grace of God. How do I respond? Number one, humbly. That I'm humble before God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And uh, how else do I respond? By falling in love with Jesus. And I use that term, and I'm, it's sort of maybe a little more of a feminine-sounding phrase. But that's really, it's this idea of building a relationship with Jesus. I was at this ecumenical gathering uh, this week, and it was a bunch of evangelical leaders of uh, larger churches and uh, some Jewish leaders as well, which many of you know my background, come from a Jewish background, sort of, uh, you know, awkward to be at this, this thing as well. And, uh, and they were more out of a different stream of Judaism uh, more Reformed Judaism, which is, there's all sorts of streams, it's the, the less orthodox of them, but people, it's what most Jewish people in America uh, are. And so, as we were there, we were talking about evangelicals and Jewish people and all of that, and uh, they, they, you know, they were uh, saying, hey, you know, we, we have this fear of evangelicals, and that's because we're afraid that you're going to try to convert us. And everyone was quiet and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, given the opportunity, I will. And then they got really nervous. I can tell you that. And uh, said, but it's not about you coming over and like to a church or anything. It's just about this personal understanding of God's amazing love for you. And I think for us, we all need to gain that personal understanding says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Here's the problem when we read this verse, is we're like, you, what do we read? You will obey my commands. But that's not the emphasis of the sentence. The emphasis is if you love me. If, if, I, if I fall in love with God, if I understand his love for me, then the, there's going to be a want to 
to live in the way he's designed me. I know some of us, you're struggling with just habitual sin and behavior that you're not even trying to justify. You just know it's, uh, it's destroying you. And, and what if the emphasis was, God, how can I get so close to you that it changes that want to in my heart? When we understand God's love, it's transformational. A number of years ago, I shared the story of a friend of mine, uh, Dwight Mason. He, he serves a church, a large church in rural Ohio. There's about 4,000 people a weekend, and it's in Amish country. And I know many of you have seen documentaries like Breaking Amish and <laughs> all of that. Uh, well, uh, in, in Amish, it's, it can be incredibly legalistic uh, when it comes to uh, uh, living out faith. You can own a car. You can't ride in a car. Uh, you can't uh, own a home that has electricity, but you can rent a home that has electricity. Uh, you can take a boat out if it's not your boat. Um, and so in that, there's this, this skepticism. And Dwight, Dwight's a big, big guy, and he's uh, there. He, he knows this one guy who was in the front row like this every week, just looking at him. And uh, he came, and he came to the church for weeks and months, and, and Dwight said, hey, why don't, we, uh, why don't we just get together? I see it at church. Why don't we get together and talk? And he says, sure. And he says, why don't we meet for, or for lunch? And they meet for lunch, and the guy said, uh, it's at this bar. And in that, you know, and in sort of where he's at, like you don't even ever go to bars. And so he meets this guy uh, in the bar, and he said, you know, I don't trust religious people very much. And the day I can't trust you, I just want to let you know that uh, I'm out of here. And he said, I don't know if that grace you talk about, if you really believe that, is that real? He goes, yeah. And he said, uh, my sister works here uh, at this bar. Would it be okay if she came to church? He goes, absolutely. And uh, so he brought her to church next week. And she, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, a woman who looked like she had, you know, lived life a little bit. And uh, he could tell that, that she hadn't been to church a lot because uh, she sat up in the front row and her cell phone went off during church. And he said, literally, she grabbed into her bra, got her cell phone and answered it. And uh, so she was a little embarrassed. And after church, uh, he went up to her, and she's looking at him, and he goes, you know what? God's crazy about you. She looks. She goes, he absolutely loves you right today, just the way you are. And tears start to come down her eyes. And he goes, you know, there's nothing you could do to make God love you less. And she's looking away. And he keeps on talking, and finally she says, Preacher, I'm going to have to hit you if you don't shut up. <laughs> and she says, I'm not going to be able to drive home. She didn't believe 
that that grace was real for her. And my fear is there's some of us who would believe that for ourselves. That's our third response is don't allow condemnation. This is for you, but it's also for other people as well. There's a place for appropriate correction. Correction and condemnation are not the same thing. Uh, Correction is, hey, let's get back on the path. Condemnation is, there's no way back. Romans 8, 1 through 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through uh, Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation. Someone sent me this note uh, a few years back. Greetings, I've been a Christian and attended church all my life. God has made a tremendous transformation in my life. He showed me I was living a very legalistic life. I realized I had alienated myself from everyone by my judgmental attitudes. I was quick to condemn and confront anyone who was not living life according to my standards. I wasn't a hypocrite because I kept pure from the three basic sins, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So I could freely judge and not feel guilty about doing it. I was God's enforcer. Several years ago, someone said, it doesn't matter how much you love Jesus. What matters is how much Jesus loves you. Wow, my actions were minimizing Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross. I look back and feel bad about the people I hurt and pushed away from Christianity. I didn't do it on purpose. I just didn't know any better. I was practicing the religious culture I was brought up in. I now try to lead a different life. I don't judge others and live from God's grace and mercy. I've learned to accept people without necessarily agreeing with their lifestyle. I've seen more people change with love and understanding than rejection. I'm happier and more relaxed. I leave the redemption and judging business in the only hands that have earned the right to do it. Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. That leads to number four, and that's to help set others free. That we help set other people free. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. There's something about when we show grace that we get to experience God's grace. And maybe for you, you can think of people where this whole idea of living out of grace has not been how you've you've led. Or maybe it's more uh, for you. Repentance happens at a turn. When we move from hiding from God to saying, God, I need your help. I need your hope. When we go from reading, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus to saying, God, I base my life on that. And I realize, uh, even as I say this, that some of us were trying to block what's happened in the last week. Maybe it was a comment that shouldn't have been made. Maybe it was uh, ending up with someone 
I don't know what it is for you. But I know that God wants to bring transformation in our hearts. And that transformation comes when we draw close to Jesus. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, 18, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is of a woman who was caught in adultery. And the religious leaders are, they know this is the shot, that they're going to, they're going to catch Jesus doing something wrong. And she had been wrong. So they're going to stone her as, as would be the custom of that day. And he says, those of you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And the Bible tells us that people walked away one by one. And no one's left there. And sometimes that's where people end the story. But then he turns to her. He not only saves her life. He says, I don't condemn you either. He says, but but now go and leave your life of sin. He's saying, I don't condemn you. But you don't have to live this way anymore. You can be healed. You can be whole. You don't have to keep a bundle of secrets that keep you up at night. You don't have to live in the stream of regret. That you can live free in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.